You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate, we're here to listen, we're here to process, and we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not gonna do. We're not gonna be preachy because we don't have all the answers and we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person and that starts with our personal, personal check-in. check-in. Let's do it. Here we are, Jess. Here we are. We're counting We're counting down the days. Counting down. We're counting down. I'm, I can't the, say... The year that, that would never end. They said barely. it would never end. <laughs> I can't <laughs> say, yeah. I'm not shedding tears over here. It's a weird, I mean, we're both holiday people. I know you love the holidays. I love the holidays. End of the year, there's a lot to be celebrated, a lot of ways to celebrate it, but it's a weird end to a weird year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but somehow I'm, this is going to sound weird maybe to, since we've used the word weird now five times, but I do think this will be strange to some of our listeners that I'm glad I was alive during this time. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like there's something to be really grateful to sort of experience humanity, the good and the bad to see at all. We live through this well, and we're continuing to, but there's something about that waking up. I feel like 2020 people woke up, whatever that meant for them, they woke up out of some slumber. So that was, that's been neat. Well, it's ironic, right? Because I feel like if you're a marketing person, 2020 was just like the low hanging fruit was like around vision and seeing Mm -hmm. clearly. And obviously like COVID threw everybody's marketing metaphors for a loop. But I really do believe that, that that's another way of saying what you just said, which is feels like it was an opportunity to see things the way they, they, they truly are and to really have our vision clarified if we so choose, chose, right? Because still, you have to put that disclaimer out there that it's not, you, you have to opt into that journey of moving from blindness to sight. There's still a decision that if you wanted to re- put your head in the sand and look away, you could. But I think that 2020 definitely gave us an opportunity to, to have our vision clarified or to be made more clear, I guess. Or tested in this case. Or We're going to yeah. that analogy all the way through. I feel like people got checked. Go, get, go get your eyes checked. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> I, I see it. Are you uh, autometrist in training? <laughs> I am. See my glasses? This is no joke, y'all. Nobody can see on, on this podcast. I've got very thick glasses. I get them checked often so I can see at 2020. So I, yes, this is a great analogy for me. I love it. We have several really good analogies, I think, in store for this conversation. And I'm really excited for this one. Uh, I think it's at those pivotal moments, right? Where like the end of a year, you know, beginning of a new chapter, I just think having the right guest for the right moment today is the right guest for, for this moment. And I think to turn the page on a new chapter uh, in a new year, I, I couldn't think of someone that I think we would enjoy doing this more with uh, than our guest. But before we do that, we, we would be remiss to end 2020 without doing it the same way we started it, which is we got to check in. Here we are four days before Christmas, 10 days before 2020 comes to a close. I got to check in on my friend, Jess. Jess, how are you doing? Catch us up on all the things. Well, so I'm doing great. Um, This is, as you mentioned, my favorite time of the year. So I love the holidays and I love them because I have tons of memories of my grandparents and spending time with them. It's all family stuff. I just enjoy the energy in my family. I enjoy the energy in the world, typically, um, (laughs) because people just kind of come off their crazy town and decide to settle into what matters, which I appreciate. So I'm doing great. And so I, you know, we record this a little bit in advance, but I'm preparing to head 
as I'm talking about this, I'm preparing to head to the mountains with my son and my mom, which is an annual pilgrimage that we take over the holidays. We'll stay in a cabin and, you know, put puzzles together and I'll cook, which is an anomaly in my home. So everybody's excited that I'm going to turn a stove on. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fun. And when this airs on the 21st, so everybody who's hearing this right before Christmas, we will be in the mountains. So we will be there. And um, I'm, I'm so excited about that. And, and when we come home, we'll have a 12-foot Christmas tree in our home. And I just love this time of year. And even though it's no one will see my tree except for you know my immediate family because we won't be able to open up our home the way we normally do for like holiday parties and stuff. We are still having a 12-foot tree because we've decided it has become our tradition as well. So 12 foot tree is humongous. I don't know. I don't think I've ever could dream of a tree that big. That's like Charlie Brown Christmas kind of, kind of it tree. It is. It is. An, it is a huge tree it, and, and it's beautiful. And, you know, we live in a uh, loft. So our ceilings are, I think, 21 feet or something. So it it's appropriate, actually, because it so fills could, the yeah. space. Yeah. You could mm-hmm. water that thing. It could keep growing another five, 10 feet. You, you'd be fine. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it, it becomes a part of our family. So when we, you know, it's over, we, we have to put it back outside. It's very sad because it's, you know, it's like our fifth or fourth family member. Um, but yeah, I love the holidays, getting ready for the new year. Just lots cooking right now. But this is this is fun. and I'm, I'm anxious to hit the road and head to the mountains. So what about you? What's cooking on your side, friend? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Are you man. done with I'm, your I'm holiday right shopping? You. I... I do love this year. I, I'll tell you, Jess, I am enjoying shopping for my kids for Christmas more than, than I ever have before. They're getting to that age that I can remember toys I had myself, which mm-hmm. is really fun. Like my, my oldest is seven. I got a six-year-old. I got a, a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And so like definitely not the two-year-old. I, my, my memory's not that good, but like the six and seven-year-old, like, and I'm, I'm finding out that like, I really enjoy finding really good deals. I'm actually discovered Craigslist. I, I hope some of our listeners don't judge me too hard, but like, you know, my kids go through toys. We don't go crazy. Um, we just kind of get a few, but like I'm finding some really good deals on Craigslist for like gently used toys right now and saving, like, I love saving me some money. We've talked about Craigslist before on this show. Like when you were selling your car, right? They're like, Hey, yeah. you got to let me help you sell your car. Yeah. Um, I just love, I love deals. So I'm, I'm really enjoying shopping for my kids this year because for, for all those reasons, and I think it'll be It'll be really fun um, to celebrate the holidays. We've been saying this this whole season, but it feels like when so much has been taken away this year, you know, so much that like signals of change mm-hmm. and like entering into the holiday season, I'm just really especially grateful to be choosing the things that we can be be thankful for and be grateful for. Time with family uh, is definitely high on that list. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to celebrating with the crew and. Uh, We'll see how long these toys actually make it into 2021. Probably not very long. (laughs) I don't think anyone's going to judge you. I think it's brilliant that you are getting toys, gently used toys off Craigslist. I just want to be very clear. We understand how with the short shelf life of small kids toys are, right? So why would you drop the mint on toys that are going to end up in the closet in just a few weeks or a month? If they're lucky, a couple of months, right? I don't know what you're getting. if, If they're lucky. Well, we should we should get into this because I'm really really excited to welcome our guest. Uh, I've been a fan of her and her work for a while now, and I think that what I'm really excited about is for our guest to be able to connect the dots on 
there's a lot that we've talked about this season that I think is relevant to this conversation that I don't think we connect. There are themes here that I think play off each other that I'm really excited for our guests to be able to to help connect those dots for us. And so uh, I want to welcome on to our call today, Katie Rose Levin. Katie, are you there? I am. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey how are you, Katie? How are you doing today? I'm good. No one can see me wave, but I just waved hello <laughs> to everyone. Hey, they can hello. feel it. They can feel it, you know? <laughs> Just like they can't see a smile, but like you can, you can tell when someone is talking and they're smiling. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I think that that's you're, you're, you're the warmth. I'm sure people are hearing it through, through the audio waves as they, as they listen <laughs> to us. So we're so glad that you could be on with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Big fan of the podcast, you know, big fan of the work that you're doing here at ReCity and just super excited to, to talk a little bit about environmental justice and how it's such a, a wonderful support for everything that you're already doing. Yeah, well, we're we're big fans of you, and I think our listeners that don't know about your work with Trees Durham, they will here in a second, and I think they'll also join us in, in your fan club. So I'm sure that you will welcome <laughs> welcome them in with with open arms. So, Katie, let me set you up and set up this conversation really quickly for those of you who aren't familiar with you and a little bit more, more of your story. Katie has a BS in environmental studies from NC State University. So for all our Wolfpack fans, don't say we never gave you any love, right? Getting getting the representation here. She spent several years working and studying ecology and ethnobiology across North and South America. Wow. She, she snuck her travel in pre-COVID, right, guys? Everyone's sitting here jealous, like, no, South America. I wish I was in South America. In 2009, she returned to school, earning a Master of Forestry and Master of Environmental Management degree from Duke. So you're just spreading out the ACC love here all over. <laughs> uh, in 2012, Duke hired her as their first ever natural resource manager. And while she was there, she managed over 14,000 trees across Duke's beautifully forested campus and helped preserve trees during construction. She then co-founded is now and is now the new executive director of the nonprofit Trees Durham, which works to ensure a sustainable, healthy, and socially just tree canopy for Durham through advocacy, education, and tree planting. Man, that is, there's a lot to, to, to dive into there, Katie, um, a lot there. And we're going to go, we're just going to jump straight into this. I think probably most of our listeners are thinking that Jess and I are just getting super sentimental around the holidays. And we're like, oh, okay, we're in Christmas tree mode. So let's do, let's, let's find somebody that we can, we can have an excuse to talk about Christmas trees with and which is better, colored lights or white lights. Um, and I personally, think there is a very clear answer to that i'm not going to tip my hand though and I'll oh maybe my let gosh you speak to you that. Just, what yeah we i feel like we all need to like do a zoom poll <laughs> maybe, maybe we should we, we we definitely need to weave that into our answers somehow yeah let's so, get uh-huh. back to that throughout this so we'll, we'll put a pin in that we'll put yeah. a pin in that but that is not why we're here today that's maybe a secondary goal primarily I suspect that listeners making kind of wrong assumptions about your work or really having no assumptions about your work is something that you're used to. I know that was something I was used to when we first started ReCity. When you're blazing new trails in a community, oftentimes you're, you're doing a ton of education about what you're doing and why it matters so much. And so that's why we're so excited to have you on today to, to connect these dots for people that maybe are, are very new to environmental justice or 2020 is the year that they've been getting an education. And I think that there are some common themes here that we're really excited to talk to you about between trees and justice. And you, you allude to that in your mission statement a little bit, and we'd love to have you speak a little bit to that. But you know, when you go on your website, Trees Durham, which I hope some of our listeners will, I mean, you literally have a tab that says, why trees? That I think kind of confirms 
that that is a question that you answer a lot. So I just want to pitch that to you right out the gate and just say, hey, let's let's start right there. Why trees? Why trees? So you sent me like a whole list of questions I'd be answering and why trees was not on them. (laughs) So it's good. Why trees? Well, trees are the perfect technology to make us happy, healthy, and wealthy and to bring social justice and environmental justice into this world. So um, that's a pretty big statement. But if there's anything that you care about, trees can make better for you, right? So trees are living air filters. They're giant air filters. They clean and cool our air and they make us healthy. If you live beside a highway, it's, you're basically living beside a big air toxic dump. Uh, and when you breathe in the toxic fumes just that come out of cars, it hurts your lungs. It gets in your brain. It causes asthmas, diabetes, strokes, heart attacks, makes it hard to focus. It's linked to early onset dementia, ADHD in children. It's linked to increased criminality, just being in this air pollution and being in this heat. So if you have trees, trees filter out all of that. So living in neighborhoods that are filled with trees means you have lower rates of heart attack, lower rates of stroke. You have less bullying, you have less crime, pay less for electricity. So you have more money in your pocket. Um, All these things are what trees provide. Now, that's wonderful. And they're beautiful too. I mean, I love the birds and the bees and all the things that trees do as well. Like who doesn't love a Christmas tree in their house, right? They're amazing. Mm -hmm. The challenge that we have is that not everybody gets trees. And it's literally along color lines and it's so stark. So why trees? Trees is because most people can't see racism. Like it's something that some people feel. It's something you kind of get. But if you drive through a neighborhood and it's hot and it's dirty and someone's like, you know why? It's because we don't have trees. You know why you don't have trees? Because the people who live here were denied trees because they are not white. All of a sudden, you can physically feel what um, racism looks like. You can physically see it. You can breathe in fumes and say, these fumes, I am breathing in racism. I'm breathing in injustice. And trees are there in those white neighborhoods. They're They're breathing in clean air. They're breathing in privilege. And health, wealth, and happiness shouldn't be a privilege. It should be a right. And trees help get us there. So I think trees, because, you know, we're talking about Hindsight's 2020, vision is 2020. The trees that are here were planted 100 years ago or not. You know, so we can look back and see what racism from 100 years ago looks like today. And then we can look forward with this new vision and use trees to create a more just and equitable society. And that's just a really good tool. And it's also a, a good way of bringing in people. That's a lot of answer, but yeah. I love that. Actually, I was just going to say, you came out of the gate with it. <laughs> All of this, like it was so good. That's very compelling. Very, very compelling. And literally we could take each piece of your response just now and kind of and kind of like dig in and unpack that. And I'm sure we will as we walk through this. But I love that. Some sometimes I don't always put that puzzle together, right? The tree canopy, understanding tree canopies and the, the importance of that, I didn't even hear about that uh race tied to tree canopies until maybe like three years ago. And somebody explained it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And then you can't unsee or unhear something, right? And so now it's like totally on my radar, but incredibly, incredibly helpful. And we'll we'll get into a little bit more of this. I do want to, for our listeners, I always find people's stories compelling and our listeners know this because I've always asked these questions, this more personal question. But 
you're so clear about this work and you are so educated around this work. I mean, we just went through your bio. Help me understand, you know, where did it come from? You, I mean, you could be doing anything. We all could be doing anything, right? And we decide that our careers take us down a certain path and that comes from somewhere. So I just want to understand like, where's this passion come from? It's incredibly niche and nuanced. And why trees for you, for Katie? I guess I'll tell three short stories. The first is I grew up in the middle of nowhere, like in the country. There's a lot to that, but essentially nobody would play with us because we were Jews and I grew up in you know the Christian South around uh, the KKK and such like that. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in the woods. It was a refuge for me. And it was also a developing area. So I seen large swaths of woods be cut down, which was really hard. Uh, in college, I started helping lead trips down to the Amazon jungle. And so a bunch of uh, kids were standing in the Amazon jungle and it's beautiful, just green and lush. And a lot of the conversation was how it's being cut down and like the trees are sold and it's so terrible that people are doing this and we should stop it. And I came home from that trip and everyone went to Cameron Village and got hamburgers. And to me, it's like, well, this used to be a lush forest just like down there. And we're eating hamburgers, which is one of the reasons Amazon is getting cut down. So not only are we not doing it right ourselves, but we're also directly incentivizing it to be done others mm. in other places. So I realized that it's important for me to take personal responsibility to model the way to do it correctly before I can tell other people how they should do it. And then I was inspired by the, by the story of the mothers in Atlanta, Black mothers. They had, all their kids had much more asthma because of buses. The city, when they would get new buses, they'd put all the old buses into the communities of color. And so as they're waiting for the buses with their kids, they're literally breathing in toxic diesel fuel and it hurt them. And they got together and organized and, and basically said, no, our air quality is important and our kids' ability to breathe is just as important as the white folks and everyone else. And the city actually redid the way that they ran buses to make it more equitable. So I was inspired by people getting together and, and using the health of, of their families as a reason to have a clean environment. So those three things together, forest as a refuge, taking personal responsibilities, and this link between environment and health and community is the reason why I chose trees. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of those stories. They're so uniquely different. Um, I appreciate your story from your childhood your direct connection to social justice and racism and understanding the connection to community and how the systems are in play throughout. And so I think Rob's going to ask you a question about Durham, but I just wanted to just take a second to thank mm. you for those very, very specific pur purpose and passion. That's a purpose and passion answer. And, mm. and we are challenging our listeners all the time to think right? And to have original thoughts around this, what we talk about on our podcast. And so I really appreciate that thoughtful answer because it sort of demonstrates how you can change your life and invest in the purpose and passion of your life through your mm -hmm. own experience. So thank you for that, Katie. Mm -hmm. Thanks, yeah. Jess. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think, I think that one of the themes of, that we continually harp back on that we even covered in, in recent episodes is this, this power of proximity and centering we have, we have to get proximate to the problem and we have to empower leaders that are, that are proximate to having the lived experience. And for you, clearly this, this intersects with your own personal story, but also you've leaned in, even when it's outside of your own personal story, leaned in and gotten proximate to this of how it's affected others. And that has become that proximity has bred clearly bred empathy in you 
to drive you forward to, to, to being a part of the solution, but in a way that is, like you said, just a very, very focused and inspiring. So I want to get to the other half of the name of your organization, right? So clearly, words are powerful. You chose the name Trees Durham for a reason. So we, we've talked about, and you, and you I think, are, are really framed up the first half really well. Let's talk about the second word in that name, right? Let's talk about Durham. Let's talk about Durham's history, of which we've already, you know, in this season, our listeners have started to to grapple with the history of justice or history of injustice that we've inherited here in 2020. We we can't have amnesia about where we came from as a community that shapes who we are today. You even said that beautifully with like looking at the age of a tree tells a story of what happened 100 years ago. I, for one, Jess, I'm not, I'm not going to walk around and see any tree. And again, like well, you've connected that in a in a powerful way for me to think about the story of our communities and how nature and a, even a, something like a tree could tell the story of mm. what happened um, so long ago that we weren't around for. But tell us, Katie, I've heard you do this so well in other contexts, and that's why I'm so excited for our listeners to get a little glimpse into this history. But talk to us a little bit about the history of Durham's trees, what role they have played in perpetuating injustice in our community. Yeah, I think that Durham is really interesting because we have a lot of really good-hearted people trying to do good things, and that's often what can result in systemic injustice if we just lead with our hearts and we don't also lead with our brains and our souls. So Durham, like almost every city and county in the United States, underwent uh, racist redlining practices in the 1930s where um, the federal government and, and wealthy homeowners drew circles around Black communities and said there would be no resources given to them for homeownership. And so the cities followed suit. So wherever there were white communities, things like sidewalks, streetlights, et cetera, were put in. And where there were communities of color, there weren't. So those white and wealthy neighborhoods also could request things. So in the South, it's very hot. And if you don't have air conditioning, shade is very important. And it's also an industrial city. So there's pollution coming up. The air is dirty. People even in the 1930s knew that trees provided shade and clean air. So the white neighborhoods got together and asked the city to plant trees. And so they did. In the 1930s, the city got together and planted, I think, around 12, between 12 and 14,000 trees along streets. Neighborhoods got together, did it in their neighborhoods. And so there was this massive reforestation that turned our city from kind of old tobacco fields and such into a more forested area. And these were done by people who could request them and who had the resources to pay for them. And those were all white folks. So now we fast forward to 100 years later, those little baby trees are massive trees. And you can put a map of redlining over Durham today. And where the red circles were drawn, there are no trees and they're hotter and more polluted. And where those green circles were drawn was a green light for resources like home ones. It was also a green light for trees. And those areas are green and cool and wealthy. So Durham has a physical... It's written into Durham streets, the racism from 100 years ago, and the good intention of people who wanted to use nature to make the world better and just didn't see outside their color lines. The nice thing about Durham is we do try to look outside our color lines. So in the 90s and early 2000s, we had individuals in the city and um, nonprofits who were trying to replace the trees as they were dying. They were doing it nights and weekends on their days off because they saw that it's really essential. 
well, if you only replace what was there in the first place, then only the people who have it will continue to get it. And it's very good people doing good things who are going to set up another 100 years of structural racism, of environmental racism. So Duke University students got together and did, I think, the first study in the country linking environmental racism with this housing injustice from the 1930s and showed what I just told you, that story of color lines and trees. So using that information, a group of citizens got together and said, this is unacceptable. They asked the city to redo their plan so that equality did not just mean giving people equally, but restoring people to equality. So the city agreed to put 80% of their plantings in neighborhoods that didn't have it and only 20% to replacement. So we changed the system to not perpetuate structural racism, but to address it head on. And then we started working with communities, not telling they needed trees, but asking them, would you like trees? We have a resource. Whatever you're doing, trees can be a resource to help you do it. So the city installs the infrastructure in the same way they put in streetlights and sidewalks. They now put in trees. And then we try to provide that social infrastructure, saying, if you're a church and you want to do more food, we can get you fruit trees. Like we're working with Alfaturo and some of the other community gardens. If you are a neighborhood like Southside and you live beside a highway or some of the hottest in the city, we'll help uh, work with you and, and residents can choose what trees they want and plant them. So we really use it as a way of empowering people and, and asking and asking them to, inviting them to be part of a solution if it's the type of solution they want. So addressing not just you didn't get infrastructure, but also no one asked if you wanted it. So that's why Durham is unique, I think, because like other cities, we went through environmental racism, structural racism, and also we see it. We see the people who've been, I wouldn't, victimize isn't right, because I think the people who have been um, attacked by it or left behind because of it, and we work to address it in, in many different ways. So I think that's, that's Durham. <laughs> yeah, complex, complicated, like most cities in America. at the beginning of this show today, we talked about, we were joking about 2020 and having 2020 vision and getting clear. I think that in the matter of, I don't know how long we've been on this interview, but whatever. I think our listeners are like getting clear vision. I think they're starting to like see something that maybe they have never seen before. I'm betting that most of our listeners had not made a lot of these correlations. If you're not even familiar with redlining, then which our listeners, hopefully if they've been paying attention to our podcast, are understand the term. And But then you overlay, like you said, this map, right? So you're like, so, but look at how environmental justice lives on top of redlining, which was developed for something completely different, but used then to continue the, and to perpetrate this. I am really grateful for this conversation because I'm getting even more clear on this work. And I'm wondering, and you gave, you've given some really good solutions. You talked about policy, you talked about elected officials, you've talked about community engagement, like engaging the community specifically and asking permission. Like, how do you want to engage with this work, right? How do you want, do you want trees or not, right? And maybe probably inviting leadership within communities to have those conversations and dialogue and educate. All of that makes sense to me. I'm just still, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, trying to put it all together around environment and injustice 
if trees can be a marker for racism, how do you see this being solved at a larger level? And, and I know you're focused on Durham and we do this question about magic wanding, right? But I'm really curious, Katie, like if you could take a magic wand over the whole problem, how do we solve this problem at the larger scale that could maybe be modeled within communities across the country? So all answers are complex, right? I think if you really, really believe that all life is sacred and the person standing in front of you is a sacred person, then you believe they have the right to the same things that make them happy, healthy, and wealthy that you do. And nature is a part of that. I think when we go into our jobs, we disconnect humanity from what we do. And that's true for legislatures. You know, like they want to live in a neighborhood that is surrounded by woods that their kids can play safely in the streets. But it's okay if other people don't because we have to get this done. So I think the policy there, the policy part is the solution is to create a world that is full of places that kids can play safely in the woods and around their neighborhoods. And if you have, if you are surrounded by woods and it's always safe for kids and squirrels and birds to run away, then we will be happy, healthy, and wealthy because that nature is providing their services naturally. You know, it cleans our air, it cleans our water, it makes us happy. It gives us, after a long day, you just sit outside and watch the birds. Like it makes you a more whole person. So my solution would be that when someone goes to work, they bring their whole person into their work and think the decisions I'm making every day, how does that reflect what I want for myself and for my family? So that's legislation, thinking about the way we do development so that everyone, regardless of income or race or ethnicity, has access to the things that we want, walkability, safe, healthy environments. When we mow our yard or we do our yard, think I don't mow my yard because I care what other people think. I plant trees and I plant food and I let flowers grow because that's what makes me happy and that's what's good for the world. So like it's that in my workplace, I do it. In my home, I do it. You know, I think think this solution in my community, I, you know, instead of watching TV, I'd like, you know, we get together, maybe we plant a tree before we, you know, have our beers at the cookout or maybe, you know, we go pick flowers. Just like that, that freedom to live joyously and presently. And if it comes from within, it'll go without from without. Is that, is that too cheesy? Does that make any sense? <laughs> oh, it makes great sense. It's a good challenge too, I think. Mm. The thing is, there's not one solution. You know, like everyone can yeah. do something differently. Like some people yeah. are great at organizing. Like I have people who are like, I hate digging holes. They hate digging holes, but they love talking to kids. You know, they'll take kids out and play in the woods all the time. Will not pick up a shovel. Or they just like writing educational things. Like that is totally valid. They like making phone calls. Other people never want to wear a suit. I like one of my uh, colleagues... He just wants to work at a brewery and plant trees. And he started a nonprofit that does that. <laughs> you know? mm. um, but that's, that's definitely not my board chair who is like a marketing and enjoys these like policy conversations. So I think the biggest part is understanding what, what you enjoy doing it and then using it in a way that makes things better. Mm. Yeah, as, as I hear you, you share, Katie, I think you've given us something really powerful. You've named something that is at the root. <laughs> I don't mean that I yes, can't help myself. Yes, okay. that was good. That was, I no, was but, waiting. That was good. You, you've, you've done something here that's really powerful because you said, hey, you know, make the decisions that you make for your own family and for your own kids. And when you wake up and, and the things that you do for yourself, like that have an impact on others, like it's almost like you're that whole mantra of, you know, lo- love your neighbor as yourself. If you are making decisions that have implications on other people, what if we centered them and cared as much about how it's going to impact our neighbor as we do about our own children. Because I think that if we did a better job of that, 
you know, we all struggle with like being selfish people, right? Present company included, right? Uh, and we're, we're not saints here. But I think that when you think about the decisions that we're feeling the ramifications of 100 years ago of which communities got trees or not, clearly that, that self-interest was present and we're seeing that play out generations later. And we're having to go work now and swim upstream to kind of to, to work against that. And so I think that it is a, it is a powerful metaphor, you know, although I, I agree with you completely. What you're talking about is not an easy, there is no silver bullet. It's not an easy answer. But I do think that trying to realize, hey, if we, if we show up and are putting the needs of our community and our neighbors ahead of our own interests, or, or at least trying to weigh them equally to say, hey, I, I want for my neighbor the same thing I want for myself, and I'm going to go live live that out in the decisions that I make, then I think that that positions us to look out for the flourishing, not only of our children, but of our, of our neighbor's kids, you know, and I think that, that starts to have a ripple effect. Rob, one thing that strikes me that I like about trees and sort of go, builds on what you were saying is there's a lot of right choices that we can make at any moment, right? If I want tacos, there's a lot of right places I could go to eat tacos, like Taco Bell. You know, the, I don't know what it's called. It's the little Mexican shop with like the cow on top of it on Chapel Hill Street. You know, there's like Nana Taco, there's Luna, there's like all these different places. Like, do I want to support like a small business? Do I want to acknowledge that like super cheap food can be more accessible? Do I want to like support a Latin owned business like Copa? I mean, like, do I want to support someone who's doing living wages? So there's a lot of right answers. And one thing that I try to think about is out of all the right answers I can make during the day, which one does more good for more people? What's a, a right answer that does more than just one thing? And that's what I like about trees. It's like people tell me, oh, we have to address climate change and capture carbon. So we should make these giant vacuum cleaners to suck it out of the air. That provides one solution. All it does mm-hmm. is remove carbon. And then you've got all these other issues of waste and where do we put that? Now we've developed, you know, it becomes trash eventually. Whereas trees, you know, not only does it remove carbon, but it also provides food. And not only does it provide food, it also provides shade. And not only does it do this, but it does that. So in your daily life, when I do something, I'm like, I could do this. There's so many right choices. Which one does the most things that are amazing that I can choose? And then it's fun. It's like every every choice is like a fun puzzle. So often we're, I feel like we look at the world as there's so many wrong choices and that's mm. the wrong side of the coin. You know, the right mm. side of the coin is saying there's so much wealth, like the more you give, the more you put out there, the more there is. Mm. There's an undercurrent there. I've heard it said a different way through a podcast I follow called Pass the Mic. There's an author named Jamar Tisby who says, doing what is most just for the most marginalized as a way, a decision-making frame of like, hey, if I, if I have two choices here, I'm going to do the the more just option to center the most marginalized person. And I think, again, if we look at history, we, we can't go back and rewrite the history that we've inherited, but we can write a new a new story and a new chapter in that. So as we, and thinking of the new year, I mean, this kind of ties into 2021, right? We're, we're rounding the corner here. You're talking about work that won't change overnight, right? So you, you have to have a marathoner's mentality to this work, you know, that you can't sprint to the finish line when it comes to, climate change or environmental justice, that's not a sprint. So what gives you hope that we can make more meaningful change as we head into this new year? You know, New Year's New Year's resolutions, a time of optimism and hope feels like a blank slate. Although I know we're all kind of limping into the new year in some ways. You know, what what is that why that keeps you planting these seeds for change? I did it again. I can't stop doing it. You're gonna have to just you're gonna have to mute my microphone. No, never leave it alone. <laughs> One right after another. I love it. I don't have one. I'm going to think of one. 
can do like a quick Google of tree puns. <laughs> I really like stories. And I think this idea that of Dianu, like it would have been enough or it would be enough. It's this idea that every single victory that you have, every single thing that you do, that I do, I celebrate as if it would be enough. Like totally love it and live it and then do the next thing, right? So refilling my cup every single time. Every single tree I plant, that is a victory. Every single tree I save, that is a victory. Every single person who breathes easier, every single child that picks up an acorn is like, what is this? Like, that is a victory. And, you know, the idea, no one drop thinks it's responsible for the flood. No one tree makes up a forest, but we need them all. And they come one at a time. So just like it's every second makes every minute, makes every hour, makes every day, it makes every year. I feel like every tree, every every person is enough in its own and then makes it something more. So I don't know. I think that I just always have hope because I'm surrounded by hope. And I think, yeah, this has been a rough year. This has been, man, you know, be careful what you ask for. I was really hoping for like more strength and more clarity and more inspiration. Man, if there's anything to inspire you, it's, a, <laughs> it's everything. And uh, the nice thing about New Year's is we have so few rituals in our world that gives us a chance to pause and really celebrate what has happened and what will happen. And, and the New Year's is that chance to be like, wow, this is time to fully celebrate everything we have done and got through as if it would be enough and then start again. Yeah. New, New Year's resolutions. This is a good one. This is a good one. This is so very, I feel like achievable and achievable exercise here for our listeners, which sort of brings me into my question. You have provided us I can't wait for the show notes on this, Rob. There's like so much already involved in this next question that I'm wondering if there will be, if you're just going to like chapter three on all the things you can do <laughs> to like bring this home. But this is very, very good. So what we normally do, Katie, and you've listened to the podcast. So at the end, we have this section. It's this perfect New Year's resolution question, really. Um, how do we take what you've shared with us all of the education that you've provided, this sort of compelling argument around justice and privilege that we find ourselves in, in our communities and reset that, this idea of equality and equity. What is one thing that you're like, you know, what I've seen in my, my work is this one thing that people can do very easily to start them on this path, right? What would you like them to retrieve? Did you catch it? I did it. Nice. With a I had to think about it. Nice. Leave <laughs> from this podcast and push forward. Good. That wasn't as good. good. I'm going to work on another one. No. Was it good? It was kind it of was good. Creative. You're not going to... People People Ooh. may assume that I Googled mine, but they're like, you can't Google that. That's... that's retrieve. Yeah. I was like yeah. thinking tree. Okay. Anyways, but but the question still is remains and it just sort of came to me. But but what what is it that... What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway, Katie, for our listeners? And you said it's very individualized. And I appreciate that because we're all different and we all have gifts and strengths in different spaces. But maybe there's an underlying sort of baseline for our listeners. Wangari Mathi, she's incredible. She said, when you plant trees, you plant seeds of hope. Mm. I think if there's one thing that you can retrieve from this is that you can look around and take a breath in mm. and see a problem and solve it, that there is hope and people before you have done good work and you can do good work. And everything you do, that little seed you plant will grow exponentially into this massive tree of justice beyond Mm -hmm. your life. 
Mm-hmm. So if there's one thing you take from it is that your good works will grow and that you can make an impact. And I hope it's through trees, but if not, there are so many ways and that's mm-hmm. what matters. I love that mm-hmm. visual. That's a great visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Katie. It is. It is. Well, Katie, before we let you go, we, we promised our listeners that we would, we would uh, get your opinion. Color lights or white lights? This is probably going to be uh, an unusual opinion, but blue, like blue lights, because they're kind of white and colored at the same time. That's how we did it in the country. And it kind of looked like a funeral home. And I, I kind of like that. <laughs> Not like the funeral part, but just like beautiful blue, like Christmas. I love that. I yeah. love it. I love that answer. That is, that is, uh, I don't know how to score it, but I think it's its own. <laughs> it's, it's its, its own, own category. We'd have to put category. it on the poll. We now have three options instead of two. You know, who wants the funeral home blue light? And we'll, we'll, we'll see how on social media, you know, how, how that plays. Uh, I hope people comment. This is going to make my whole life. Please so comment. Good. This on is so good. So, Katie, I expect your desk at City to have some blue lights on it next oh. time I. Oh, I absolutely. By. I'm, bringing uh, in, I'm bringing in plants too. There's going to be a tree in blue lights. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. We're going to get very festive. Uh, well, Katie, thank you so much for being on. You've given us. So much to think about. I love. I just love the spirit and the way you entered this conversation. I think that it is the very best way we could have set up a new year because you've you don't shy away from hard conversations and yet you break it down in a way where everyone can be can pick up their shovel. There you go. That's the last one I have. Like like literally though. Like everyone can be a part of this because you make it accessible, and that's really what we try to do with every conversation. But you've done it so beautifully here and. Honestly, it's helpful for me to think about this idea of planting seeds of hope that like outlive me, that like we talk about looking at trees as a symbol of what mistakes were made. But I think you've reframed that entire conversation of, you know, we could be planting seeds that future generations look at our fight for advancing in pursuit of justice that could be that could outlive us in, in ways that help for the flourishing of our neighbor, which is just so beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. And we're just we're, we're grateful to be partnered with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Katie. Love that. Loved it. Loved it. Love. Man, love. She's great. She is great. I mean, I'm going to count. So for our listeners, I'm going to go ahead and reveal. I am, I'm 100% a color lights person. I don't know. Oh, we're doing our lights. Okay. We're, we're doing it. And so I'm going to count blue lights as part of team color lights. Jess. I don't think uh, that fair. Sure. Is that not I mean, if you I mean, want to go are. ahead and stack this quiz in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> go right ahead okay i think i sense that you're not on team color light is that i mean well listen okay there's, there's a very brief story it's it's just it's just tradition like in my home growing up always white lights my grandmother was anti multicolored lights we didn't have them in our home and right. we had the most beautiful christmas tree my entire childhood beautiful beautiful tree then i have my son And my husband at the time, so my ex-husband grew up with multicolored lights and he was like, yo, our kid is going to have multicolored lights. He's like, it's more fun. It's all the things. And so I caved and I enjoy the multicolored lights. And so now we are a multicolored light family, but I frankly could go either way. Wow. Wow. That is, it's scary how similar our, (laughs) I have have a very similar story just in reverse, right? What is it? I don't know what it is about the guys in color lights maybe that's a theme i don't know but I, my wife same way grew up with white 
so we were trying to compromise and we've tried this several times in our relationship. Like we have the same birthday. So like we've tried to compromise. Literally, wow. we have the same birthday. I didn't so know we that. Tried, we tried compromising there and failed. So one year we, we had the genius idea. Let's just put them both on the tree and we'll <laughs> alternate days. So mm-hmm. like we'll plug them into different outlets. And that way, you know, you plug one in and the one day is colored lights, one day is white. That is, didn't, it just didn't seem to stick. So yeah. what I do, we're now, we have white lights on our tree, but I just try to find creative ways to put color lights <laughs> all throughout our house. And like our railing, like someone got us color LED lights as a joke one year. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, I put them in different places. So I guess I'm a, I'm a sore loser. It's kind of what I was going to say. Your wife, I I already knew when you said your wife, well, listen, I compromise, but in your case, I wasn't surprised that she won that one the day there. I don't even know why I compromised on white lights. I was really difficult. She kind of won me over. Like, I'll I'll be honest. I kind of, I like them better now. I think, I think the, Mm -hmm. now I still have the colored lights that I try to find a use for, but I think, I, I think she's converted me. Uh, over to to white lights on a Christmas tree, so I can I can appreciate the beauty of both. How about that? There you go. Yeah, it's good. There that's you. a that's a nice. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it just keeps the peace, friend. Keep it. Keep the peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, back. Speaking of trees, what was your biggest takeaway from that conversation? Because you know she's she gave us a lot to process, and I just want for our listeners. I, I think they really enjoy it. what 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 stood out most to you because I know that you're not new to that conversation but and, and neither am I but she still gave us a lot yeah I'm gonna have a moment of very tremendous honesty right now and one that I didn't want to necessarily unpack with Katie on the on the line but I have known about you know redlining and tree canopies like I said for a couple of years and when I first understood it I was like I get that that's wrong and whatever and I and I could see it and I can't unsee it. I, all that is true. But with all the things going on in our community, and when I would hear people bring it back up about the tree canopy, it t- tends to like show up at city council and all these other things. And I'm like, why are we prioritizing that? Like if we had to list things, that's hmm. not on the top of my list, folks. Like, can we move on to the more significant work around justice hmm. and equity and looking at our communities holistically like... I don't know, living wages and jobs in our community and homes that aren't falling apart. I'm not worrying about a tree. I will say after this podcast, I am like my whole thinking about this has changed and the Mm. relevance and importance of this work and also the, and she brought it up and so did you, the accessibility to make some very quick and meaningful changes within community around this has uh, it's very compelling. And I sort of feel badly that I would up to this, up to today had not prioritized it in the way that, that I do other things. Right. But this, mm-hmm. she did an incredible job of making that argument. And I suspect it could be like that for our listeners too. I mean, you just try yeah, to yeah. put trees and justice together and you're like, okay, let's see how you make that argument. Katie made the argument in like 90 seconds. And yeah. I was furiously writing notes around shade and um, air conditioning and the bills that it costs folks to like thinking about the budgeting and just the hardships that not having the same tree support, right? Clean air, pollution, asthma, which we know affects our community disproportionately. Just Mm. 
all of that, I was just very compelled by it. And I'm so grateful that she was as honest and clear and thoughtful as she was in this time with us because it has definitely changed the way I view environmental justice. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be... I want to champion it in new ways. And she's given me the voice to do that and the language to do yeah. that. So I'm grateful yeah. for it. I'll piggyback off that because, you know, earlier in the season, we talked about the importance of seeing the whole justice ecosystem as an ecosystem, right? And so I think for me, it's really important that as she's talking, you're realizing that the mental model that prevents a community from having living wage for some of its people and citizens and cutting off access to, to certain things or certain places, you know, at the end of the day, when it boils down to it, like, that's the same mental model that plants trees in one neighborhood over another. And I think that excellent. we've point. talked about this before, like this whole idea, we feel like we've got to choose. And we feel like we have to say, nah, it's either about trees or living wages. I didn't got time to think about trees because yeah. I got to put a roof. Up. And I think there definitely yes. is something at like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Clearly, like there are at a root, but I think we have to realize that those roots are all interconnected. And I think if we attack the mental models holistically, then we're going to see that a tree is a very powerful visual of how are we doing. That's like saying we need to go after jobs and houses, but not care about people's mental health or physical health. Well, if they're dead before they can take the house or the job, they only live to raise enough money for a year. That's not breaking the cycle of intergenerational poverty, right? So like all these things, I think that's a lot of ways what ReCity has conditioned me as to see over the last five years is that you can't take one sector, you can't take one issue and say, this is the only thing that really matters. Uh, or downplay one issue and say, that issue doesn't matter. All these other matter. No, it's, it's, they're all pieces of the same whole. And I think we have to take that holistic approach and not fall into that trap of what about it. Because we see that on the news. I'm so tired of that, Jess. Like that whole non-starter of, we've been in, the, I've been in the, like those rooms, right? Where you, you, someone making a really great point and then it's like completely torpedoed by, well, what about affordable housing? Like, well, yeah. you think Katie Rose is, is anti-affordable housing? You think she's anti-living wage? You think Trees Durham? No, she, she wants a more just community where everybody can flourish, right? So I think for me, that was, that was what stood out the most is this whole idea of, and she, she's about ecosystem work. And I think we have to be careful how we, to, to go plant a tree is to not be about living wage jobs. And I think she made the clear case how truly interconnected these issues are that we tend to almost take an either or approach to. Yeah, no, I 100%, you know, co-sign that. I think that's exactly right. And I think that's the lesson, right? For, for me personally, it wasn't a dismissive, it was a prioritization. And so I agree with exactly what you're saying that there is, and we've been saying this. So, I mean, again, it's, it's just constant learning, right? But we've been saying that this tree, this 400 year old tree, these roots are interconnected and we say it. And today I feel like this was the best example that we've had, I believe, on an issue of justice that could seemingly feel like it's not totally connected. And you leave this 40 minutes feeling like it's not only connected, it's crucial that we not just prioritize it, but this is the thing for me, understand it. 
And Mm. Katie helped me understand that connective tissue in ways I had not heard it before or understood it before. And so, like I said, championing that I think is going to be really important because you can make a compelling argument um, for change in 90 seconds around that Mm. work. And to your point, it's not like she doesn't clearly tell that she's versed. I know Katie. I know how she rolls and who she rolls with. Her community is very diverse. And so she understands these issues and she understands who is impacted through this work. And I think that's really, really special. So I'm glad that she did that. We need to give her information out because I'm sure that folks want to, you know, if we're thinking about New Year's resolutions and all the work that they can do, she has lots and lots of volunteer opportunities, planting trees. That's right. That's right. She said she's in school system now doing some work. So do you want to talk about that or do you want me to unpack it? for? Yeah, yeah, no. Hop. So you can go on their website, treesdurham.org. You can subscribe to their newsletter. You track what they're doing, track their story. There's volunteer opportunities. You can go, you know, they have tree planting opportunities in your neighborhood, wherever you are, to be able to uh, to plant trees. Or if your neighborhood already has enough, then going to another neighborhood to plant trees that, that, that need more. You can make an end-of-year donation. Obviously, we're coming up on that time uh, here, a few days left for, for the end of the year. You can support their work uh, to enable them to, to continue to do it. And I think that that's, that's the whole thing, right? She, she made this so accessible. I love it. She didn't say this, but I heard a Mother Teresa quote that stuck with me. This is over 10 years ago. This idea that she was quoted saying, if you can't feed 100 people, then feed just one. Mm-hmm. I love that so much because yeah. when you talk about trying to do these big ambitious things about changing a literally an entire environment and making it more just, that's like, man, what what am I going to do, right? It's almost like voting, right? Like the, the mentality some people can have around voting. Like, oh, what, yeah. what does my vote do in the grand scheme of things? Well, yeah, don't don't worry about hundred. If you can't do a hundred, then then just just do one. Just yeah. one small act of intentionality and love and service for your neighbor and for your community. You know, compounded over time. You know that that is incredibly meaningful when you when you kind of weave that into the tapestry of what we're trying to build uh, in our communities. And so, I, I love I love that. I think that was the right way to, to end the year. Uh, we're going to take take this break, and we're going we're going to see people on the on the flip side in uh, in 2021 so until then friends all right friend. i hope all the things go well for you i wish the best of holidays to you thank you and we'll we'll see, I'll see you, you next, next year, year. yeah <laughs> we had to do it right we had we've to been, join the club yeah we had we've been doing this for too long we're finishing finishing <laughs> each other's sentences uh I think that means I'm dragging you down more than no, you're, you're bringing no, me up. No. It just means we're <laughs> definitely two peas in a pod for sure. I love it. I love All it. All right. Well, well, thank you. We'll see you in 21. See you on the other side. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Just. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I got really excited about these extra above and beyond episodes. Doing a little bit of our own countdown of all of season two in a single episode. Our guests are all the guests we've had. Listen to our show up moments and say, you know what? This year, I'm going to have a more meaningful show up moment. Sit back and lean in.